0: This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Hello and welcome to the Behold podcast, everybody. My name is Sean and I have my, he's the Batman to my Robin, really, (laughs) Mr. Daniel Gillette. What's up, everybody? And today we're joined by the one, and I can't keep saying that. We just went over this the last week. The one and
1: only. Just what? How you about, are the
0: one and only? How about the, in my life. the handsome, the talented? We say that too. The uh, incredibly gifted and smooth. Jason he does Mug. drink more smoothies than anybody I know. Jason Mo, everybody.
2: Hello, everybody,
0: dude.
1: You, uh, I
2: always feel a little anxious when you guys are doing that. It's Like, intro. what are these guys going to say? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just rather you say, "Jason, us. Hi, Jason. Okay, well,
0: we, that we will uh, we will consider that for next, for next time. time. I need to apologize to you, Jason. You sent me a text while I was in Hawaii a few weeks ago. That was a funny text, and um, I totally missed it. And I just read it yesterday while I was helping you something else for the first time, and okay. I laughed out loud so hard I teared up a little bit. Oh,
2: good. Good. good you good. know what I'm talking about. I a do. little witty. A I little do. bit of wit goes along. I think right. I sent. I think I sent it to you. Deej and Charlie.
1: Is it appropriate to mention all the podcasts? Absolutely not.
2: It's a medical thing. It probably, probably people will gross people okay, out. Yeah, I, I did a lot of testing last week. And so I was just, I had a lot, to, a lot of material to rant on. That's funny. Yeah.
1: You've got a great, I, I think those that know you uh, appreciate you've got a nice, uh, dry, witty mm. sense of humor mm. and if you're not paying attention you could miss it so so uh word <laughs> to the wise everybody keep your keep your humor humor radars open when you're around the one and only jason moe <laughs> i just want to share this
0: before we get into it today i was just encouraged other day looking up um while i was uploading one of the episodes of this podcast to see that there are currently listens from 25 countries
1: wow behold
0: and i'll read them to you the U- US of a whoop whoop yep a lot from south africa you can probably mm-hmm. thank your lovely sister for that oh, one. shout out the yeah. ireland and spain and belgium and germany and singapore the uk the bahamas <sighs> russia taiwan canada venezuela brazil costa rica pakistan portugal bangladesh benin egypt india jamaica oh norway gosh. Switzerland and Zimbabwe. Well, what if it's just Tim Barley himself <laughs> just going around with
1: like into these different places and just pressing play on the on yeah, yeah, Spotify? Yeah.
2: He just plays it for five minutes yeah, and then yeah. he's like, he's like, check.
1: We got, we got Zimbabwe. Yes, <laughs> oh, boy. that's really funny.
2: No, I as an encouragement, I was at a conference. I don't know in Philadelphia. I don't know a couple years ago. And um, how long has it been?
0: The podcast going on like a year and a half maybe it's hard to say so it had
2: to have been I don't know anyway this lady said uh, she, I, we knew her from a friend of a friend in Philadelphia and she said she commented on one of our teachings and I said oh did someone tell you about that and she said oh no no I listen to the podcast And I I think to myself, I mean, hey guys, I love what you do here and I love the. but I just think there's so much out there. We're just a humble
0: little podcast. Right. I'm like, really? Really? You listen to the podcast? Yeah. But just, man, about 150 people listen every week, which to me is astounding. Like (laughs) we say this sometimes, but if there was like 10 people who listen to this every week, we'd still do it. I wouldn't be surprised and B, I'd keep doing it. That's worth it to me. 150 is awesome. And right now there's about 16 or 17,000 listens. Which for a podcast talk is like not a lot for a VBC talk that is astronomical. Yeah. So if you're listening, it, it, yeah, yeah, keep doing you.
2: Well, and wasn't the goal ultimately not not that we were grateful not we're not we are grateful that other people outside of VBC are listening, right? right? But the goal was to equip the people within our our you know two campuses and first and foremost. Yeah. So I wonder if we need to re, you know, with that knowledge, like go back to the whiteboard, just think through like what. Do we need to get more scripture here? Do we need to, you know, less ransom, more scripture or more? Mm. Just what can we do to really, really bless these people? Because we want to, I know you guys care about honoring their time.
1: Yeah. Well, let us know too, right? Yeah. You can always get, get a hold of us, vbc.online slash behold. And um, we would love to just, yeah, hear, hear if you have any thoughts, beholders, especially those ones in Zimbabwe.
0: Wow. Tim Barley, let us know <laughs> if you're listening, Tim, wherever you are, let us know. All right, so uh, where did you did you ask me a question?
1: No. Timothy he did Barley, not.
2: I see <laughs> that was this Carmen San Diego. San Diego. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. that's wow. um, We did have a question for you, Jason. I can't remember what it was. Well, I
2: was listening to Jason Wong.
1: Yes. Was well, it? we're about to have Jason Wong on. That's
2: oh, pro- oh. that's
0: prophetic, right there.
2: Yeah, exactly. Wow, I'm gonna, I was I'm listening gonna, to Jason Wong talk about what he <laughs> wanted to, to to bring us today because he was he didn't get they only give us like we're big, twenty big minutes.
0: Se- big segment show here. I am f- I am pulling us in. So if you are joining us on Sunday mornings, you know that we're in this series that is a little different than our normal teaching series is. Normally we would go through a book of the Bible and we teach it. That's our kind of MO here at Valley Bible Church. Um sometimes it's more narrative, like Daniel was an example of that. Sometimes it's more exegetical, like the epistles would be an example of that. This time we're in this series called Household of God. And the point of it is we're looking at seven aspects or seven arenas of what it means to be a church family. You know, what what scripture dictates and tells us of how to be a faith family together. Um, And I'll just run them really quick. That means what does the local church look like? What does it mean to be a disciple and discipler, which we're going to dig into today? Uh, being in groups together and fellowshipping, uh, using your gifts to serve in a church family, evangelizing, sharing the good news, um, church planting and mission work, and then just living a life of, of worship before the Lord. Right now, we are two or three weeks into it, depending on which campus you're in, and Jason Wong and Jason Moog led us through the second week, which is on discipleship, if you joined us on Sunday, then you will have seen that Jason Wong did just a great job leading us through what it means to be a disciple, you know, and and some of the prerequisites for that to happen, and then some of the effects that should produce in your life. And then Jason Mo did a great job of, on the other side of that coin, what it means to be a discipler, and I think we're going to dig in more to the, into that today. Um, but we have a great opportunity, which Jason just alluded to a second ago, to hear from an elder today. Um, we're trying to get the elder that helped with the teaching on Sunday to be on this podcast every week during the series, which is A, such a blessing, but B, it's really useful to just get more time with the elders and hear from them on these various topics, uh, just more of their hearts behind ways that we as a faith family are killing it or ways that we can be growing more in those areas. So without further ado, let's hear... Uh the segment that we just recorded with Mr. Jason Wong. Okay, well here we are with the one and only Jason Wong in the flesh. Welcome. We're thankful to have you here today, Jason.
1: Yeah, we've got um yeah, our freshest freshest blood in terms of elders. Uh you you just came onto the team. How many how many uh months has it been, Jason?
3: Uh good question. I don't know if I, I would say You're not <laughs> tracking it?
0: You need to be tracking. I
3: I, I, I'm not, but I'll say earlier this year, beginning of this year, I think. Okay, so, so at least probably less, less nine, 10 months.
0: One of these days we're going to have to have you elders explain what the elder hazing process is for new recruits, but that's a, that's a topic for another, another podcast here. <laughs> yeah. We'll save that.
1: Well, Jason, we know you're, you're taking time out of your busy, uh, work day to, to come be with us today. So let's just jump right in. Um, now that kind of you've had an opportunity to to share your message on discipleship for two weeks now uh, at the Altamont and at the Crossing, as the dust is kind of settled, you know what what's what's a way that you'd like to kind of continue the conversation? Um, you know what has God been kind of bringing to mind, and and um, even just specifically for for our VBC church community, like what. Um, what, what's something you want us to just kind of keep thinking about as we continue to process and uh, apply what we learned about discipleship?
3: Yeah, I think this is such a great question. I think, it, you know, for us as believers, it always comes back to the gospel. Like we should never get tired of talking about the gospel. It should not just become words. Um, and so I think having a real healthy appreciation for what have we been called from, right? There are a lot of words, I think, in today's culture we don't talk about or take seriously things like, sin and holiness and hell.
1: Yeah. We're going to edit that out of the, this podcast. No, 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 not. no mention of sin here, Jason.
3: No no mention of sin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a big deal, right? I mean, we, we, we should, we should take that seriously, you know, and, and sin is, is, you know, any thought or word or action that's contrary to the character or law of God. And, and that's what it was Three twenty three tells us, right? We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but, Knowing that, um, but knowing who we sin against is important, right? This holiness of God, he's set apart. That's holiness means. And so a real simple example I always use with my kids, like who you skins makes a big deal. Like, you know, Dan, you've got young kids. What if, you know, Parker comes and, and and pushes Cohen? That, that's a big deal. But what if, that, if Parker goes and he, and he and he pushes the police captain of Pleasanton? Uh Uh-oh, that's got some serious ramifications. Like, you might be going to the back of the squad car. (laughs) What if Parker goes and he pushes the president of the United States? I think Secret Service is going to start getting involved. (laughs) So when we sin against a holy, holy God, we got to take this seriously. It's not just sinning against you and me. This is against, like, the almighty creator of the universe. And that's why the consequences are so serious. And so knowing that, I think it's just a good place for us to start. And then knowing that, hey, you know what, there's a penalty that we all have to pay. And, and that's really the choice we have in front of us, right? We can pay for it ourselves, or we can accept to give of salvation from Jesus. So, you know, we shouldn't take that lightly, That Jesus, I mean, he's God. He lowered himself, became a perfect man, lived a perfect life, went to the cross for us, had the wrath of sin poured out upon him, and then he died and rose again after three days. And then he offers us this beautiful gift of salvation that we accept by grace alone and, and faith alone. And, and so we, we can do that, right? he is real for all of us. It's just an address, right? Either we pay for sins ourselves and our address is hell, eternal separation and death from the Lord, right? The source of joy and love and goodness. Mm. Or we have the address with him in heaven, right? To be in the presence of the Lord. And if we have a real appreciation for sin and holiness and that, then I say, then what Jason and I talked about, this call to discipleship and this call to disciple others should be a no-brainer. It should be like, I have such a healthy appreciation for what God has done for me. How could I not want to follow Him? How could I not want to grow in my love of Him and my knowledge of Him? How could I not want to count the cost and put aside my own will for Him? how can I not be a little bit more uncomfortable and make more time to disciple others? Right. How do I just do that? Right. So I think, yeah, that would be my encouragement to never get tired of talking about the gospel and understanding what we're, we've been rescued from.
1: That's a good word, Jason. And, and I like the word to never, or just the phrase, never stop, because I think a lot of times we, we, we hear the gospel and we think, Oh, like, yeah, that that's so great. I'm so great. So grateful that I'm, that I'm in the fold now that I've put my faith in Christ and, my sins are forgiven and I have an eternal life. What's next? What do I, what do I do next? You know, it's almost like we're, we're trying to move on from the gospel and, and learn like the deeper things, but it's so core and central and just so important to keep coming back to. So I, I, love that. Um, Sean, I know you had a thought kind of just, just about, you know, what, what that produces in us when we, when we, um, when we partake in that, right. When we take part of that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think this is, I mean, this is the root issue. I, th- I think for a lot of things that we're talk about on the podcast or just in general as Christians is at the end of the day, for a lot of these types of things, the reason why it ends up being that you're not seeing X y, or Z in your life is that you're not really seeing and appreciating and, you know, keyword beholding that beauty of our savior in your life, like Jason was talking about. And it almost reminds me of like and this isn't what you just asked. We were just talking about a pastoral kind of issue. And one of the questions was, oh, well, did you tell them what to do in the situation? You know? And the answer was, well, not really, because they have to see the beauty for themselves. You mm-hmm. know? And this reminds me of recently, I was uh, working with this guy who lives up in Reading, and he loves duck hunting. That's his thing right mm-hmm. now, amongst a lot of things. He loves duck hunting. And he's like, I'd love to take you out sometime. And I told him, oh, I'd love to go duck hunting with you for sure. He said, but he said, but you know, I'm not going to take you unless you really get into it and and do a lot of research and just love the the process of duck hunting. And I was like, okay, sure, you know. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm serious because if I just take you out there, we'll go out there and you you'll do what I tell you to do. And you'll shoot a duck and we'll go home and whatever. And that may have been a fun process for you, you know, but you're just by doing the steps I tell you to do, you're totally missing the heart of it. And you're not going to get the same thing out of the process that I will get in understanding the heart behind it. So instead he's like, go read up about duck calls and all different things you want to do. And then when we go, you're going to get every step along the way. Wow, this is what is 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 the point of this rather than just what someone's telling me. And I think it's the same kind of thing here of, and we can, it's easy for us to say, go get in a group, you know, go find a mentor, go disciple, go read your Bible. But at the end of the day, if those are just action steps for you and they're not preceded by just your love and appreciation for the beauty of your salvation and of your savior, then man, we're just gonna be spinning our wheels here, you know, um, but i ought to say, if that is you, and if you are someone who has seen and tasted the beauty of the gospel, then man, it, it really should be, non-optional when we're talking about discipleship, you know. Those commands given in scripture, they're not commands for the pastors to go do or the elders of the church to go do. They they're, they're commands for all who trust in Jesus to go and do. And yet, I feel like more and more we're starting to treat it that way in the church is like, "Oh, discipleship is for those people." You know, and it's totally fine that I have not in my life been a disciple to someone for the last 10 years. Because I go to church on Sundays, you know, I serve on the worship team or, or whatever it is, you know. It's kind of this like black hole that we kind of avoid sometimes as far as, man, are, are every single one of us participating in this process of making disciples for the next generation? Yeah,
1: it's good. Jason Wong, um, unless you have something, Jason Moog, for, for, to, for, to ask him, I've got a question for you, Jason Wong. Do you have one, Moog? Well,
2: I wrote down, let me tell you guys, I wrote down one, two, three, four, five Five questions that that people asked us that came in. So yeah. I, have t- I, I have two for Jason Wong. If you, if you, or all of us, we can just yeah on pick, Jason pick Wong. one
1: and throw it out there. Let's, yeah, yeah I'll,
2: well, I'll read both. You guys decide what you want to. do. I don't know if I'll we'll time okay. for it. But one, one just was uh, for all of us and Jason you as well in your part. Salvation. They said salvation and discipleship almost seemed synonymous in the way that you were talking. And is there a difference? Because the Bible, you know, talks about the difference. What, how do you see it? there's a difference, or is it just like they're so closely connected? You know, they wanted some clarity on that, and then the second one was if if we if someone were to take some of the inventory stuff that that Jason you gave us on Sunday and walk through it, you know, really evaluate our heart, and then decide I don't know if I'm if I'm saved, I don't know if I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, what would they do next? So, any of those two, I think those are good, some good questions.
1: Yeah. Let's start with let's start with you, Mr. Wong. What? How would you respond to those?
3: Yeah, I, I would say that's a great question. I'm glad people are asking that. It's the one of the most important questions we can ask. Right, we got to take this seriously, right? And I would say they are linked. They are so linked. Right back to this piece where we were starting off. If we we have to know what we're being saved from, and and if um, if we do that. Right. This tie to discipleship, this response, right, is, uh, is so linked. And there's this piece of God gives us with time. Then we have no choice but to be uh, a true follower, a committed learner of him. Right. And I said that if we are given that time because like the thief on the cross. Right. He, he, he you know, he, he wasn't saved because he went and did certain things for the Lord after. Right. But he acknowledged in his heart he 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 who Jesus was and fallen, submitted to the Lord in his heart. And because that Jesus said, Hey, you will be with me in paradise. Like you will be saved. But if God gives us the time to do that, and we are not leaning in and growing in, then I do think it's a question. Because it says that is the mark of a true believer, Mm is this endurance and perseverance. It's not that it saves you, but it is a marker that shows that you have truly saved. Is because you are holding to it, and it's like the it's like the parable in Matthew thirteen, where there is the parable of the sower of the seed and the soils, and the seed is the same for everybody. It's the gospel. It's the good news, but soil is what's different, right? And it says, "Hey, go." In some cases, it sprouts up, and it's choked out either by the pleasures of life uh, or the hardships of life, but it is a soil that is toiled. Right. There's there's this effort that goes along with it as this Christian walk to to walk with the Holy Spirit to be sanctified, right? To weed out temptation and sin, to fertilize it, to grow, to abide in Christ that then produces a harvest. Right. And so it's what do we do? And so I think this 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 concept and this question of salvation discipleship, I think it, it it goes together. And in some some cases, I would say, you know, if we take this seriously, does it matter so much about testing as a partner, or does it just matter? Let's respond and let's dive into the Lord.
1: Yeah, that's good. Mm. Um, you know, kind of as a, as a follow-up to that, you know, so what if someone is fully, fully convinced that they did that evaluation that you guys were encouraging them to do and they're fully convinced I am, I am a disciple of Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not discipling anybody else. Um, you know, I was just thinking about, that, that analogy, J- Jason Moog, that you gave us of like, e- each of us should be one hand, you know, reaching up to uh, someone to disciple us while also having the other hand back to disciple somebody else. So we're constantly, you know, being helped, but also helping. And I was thinking just maybe you could just share from your own, you know, share own, your own testimony of as you have been walking with Jesus and helping others walk alongside him as well, um, how, how has, how what has that process been like for you? It, you're cause, cause I think we can all say while we're pouring out as we're discipling somebody else, we're all, it's not like we're not getting any benefit either. It's mutually beneficial. It's mutually encouraging. And I'd love for you to just kind of speak on that a little bit to, to maybe someone who's, who's not, yet discipling and, and just needs some inspiration or some encouragement?
3: And was that to me or to the, the better Jason?
1: Oh my oh, goodness, this oh, is very confusing.
3: Stop. The more handsome Jason, I should let's, say.
0: Let, let's send that to Mr. Wong since I know your time's running short and then we'll let you sign off here in a minute. Yeah.
3: Uh, what I would just say is, you know, I think there's this benefit of just getting started and just trusting the Lord to equip. Like if we truly responded, um, I think we're talking about earlier, I mean, If we just follow when we agree, that's not really submitting to the Lord. That's not really obeying a command. That's just doing what I like. And and so just doing that, I think, becomes really important. But what I would encourage people with is a little bit what you were talking about, Dan, is actually you get so much more out of it sometimes than I think that I'm benefiting anybody. Mm. And there's this piece because, and I'll just speak from personal experience, where you take it so seriously. Right. And 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 so we, it's a little bit to some of this, the the the, the seeds that, that Jason and I were talking about this last couple of Sundays. But this consistency piece, I'll go back to, but about looking at my own life and my modeling it. Before I go tell someone like, hey, you is Jesus, Lord and Savior. Do I believe in the narrative of Scripture and its perfect word and do I follow it? Well, there's this piece where I just got to go look in the mirror. then. You know, kind of like Matthew seven says. It doesn't say don't judge. It says don't judge hypocritically. Go look at yourself first. And it's that same concept, I think, in discipleship. And where I where I've I've grown so much more is just looking in the mirror and say, before I go tell someone to pursue the Lord or to love their their, their wife sacrificially, like Ephesians five says, or to not exasperate my children or to be in fellowship. Am I doing those things? Am I just going through the actions or is my heart there? Mm. And so there's this piece about just you know taking seriously, like looking at my own heart to do it and to be open and honest about it. That that then when I go and we meet and we live life together we're digging to scripture with with, with someone, that I've already gotten so much out of it just by taking it so seriously. Um and I don't mean to say that in a way that I wanted to be daunting like this piece like you you shouldn't get started until you're perfect you're, you're we're not that's the sanctification process that the word is so kind to help us with on the side of eternity but to take it seriously to do that and then be open like uh, I'll be the first to put my hand up I don't know it all and I'm far from perfect and so in that relationship, as we talk about stuff, we dig into scripture, we think of, we dig into applying scripture to life and, and, and different backgrounds. I learned so much as I listen and then disciple others that in some ways it's this co discipling relationship that often happens. I just think about some of the best relationships and discipling relationships I have had as I, I would say often. And I tell them, <laughs> I think I learned more from you today than you probably got anything out of it from me.
1: Yeah. That's so good. I love that. I, I, have you experienced that too, other Jason?
2: Oh yeah, I think some of the, I think some of the growth and healing that some followers of Jesus are looking for, are held in the boundaries by God by God's design in the context of discipleship. So like he he you know he's got healing and growth and epiphanies and lessons and uh, all sorts of things gifts for us in in as we experience worship through music and through life as we experience the different arenas but one of them for sure is discipleship. And, and I think some of us, uh, will find that some of the things that you've been looking for just in terms of growing in the Lord and growing deeper in the Lord, um, will be found when you are in a discipleship relationship, discipling someone else.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's really cool. Well, um, yeah, I, uh, can't thank you enough, Jason Wong for, for joining us today. Any, any, any last little nuggets of, of goodness and, and truth that you want to leave us with?
3: Uh, maybe one thing that I, I would just say is, like, like, take it seriously. Right. I mean, I really do believe, like, this is so essential to us as believers. Like, really look into what are we being called from and then if we are like how do we respond to continue never neglect our relationship with the lord and grow as his disciple and then disciple others and and, and don't let it be a scary thing because the lord is with us and so i would say that one more that that jason and i talked about does not have to be far if you're married i really say our first discipleship is our spouse right if you if if you have kids uh, that is a core arena of discipleship that we should not neglect is our kids if you're not married and you're single it's your roommate right i mean let's not neglect that one that that, that proximity that we have god has specifically chosen for each and every one of us to be where we are equipped with the gifts that we have and so who he's also put in our path i would say that should who we be looking to be um discipling, right mm-hmm. so i would just say don't stop don't 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 you know be afraid to step out and then you're not alone. Like we have this beautiful fellowship at VBC. None of us are perfect, but we, if we all love the Lord and share that, we will surround and equip each other to, to help do this, to walk this life together.
1: No, That's great. Thank you so much, Jason Wong. Man, it's great to have you on the podcast and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, you know, just making the world a better place out there.
3: Thank you, man.
2: I appreciate it. Good seeing you, Jason. All right. Bye. All
1: right. Bye.
0: Okay, well, hopefully you're still here, listener. Jason signed off, but we have not. We are still all here. But man, what a blessing to just have time with Jason Wang. And hopefully, you like me, um, are just uh, blessed by his heart. You know, his love for God's word and his love for our people together. So, if you see Jason on Sunday or, or sometime soon, give him a big hug and thank him for being with us. On behold,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's awesome. What, what a great addition to just the leadership of our of our church. Um, awesome man. Well, I, I thought maybe we could take the conversation just kind of a little bit further even because, um, Jason, I know that you got a lot of questions of clarification. Just um, what would you say to somebody who maybe even after listening um, to the message on Sunday and this conversation we just had with um, Elder Wong, uh, what would you say to someone who's maybe still needing clarification on Okay, what's the difference between salvation and and being a disciple? And you know, what if I'm, what if I'm just struggling with that with that idea? And do I have to be discipling someone in order to be saved? You know, how yeah. how help us have a conversation right now just about that person or that those people who might be listening and, and maybe still confused.
2: Yeah. Well, and those people that might be listening that it might be clear in your mind, but your friend is confused and you want to be a good friend, but you're not sure how to explain it to you. Yeah. First, I just would affirm them that it's, it makes sense that it's muddy in your mind because it's, they're so closely linked. So I get it. I totally get it. They're so closely linked salvation and discipleship to, to be saved is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you are a true disciple, then you have been saved by Jesus Christ. So I get it. So I would just encourage everybody to affirm them. Um, and I think that what, 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 let me ask you guys: Why do you think there's a there? Why do you think it's muddy? Why is it confu- Why is it? Why are they so closely linked? But it's it's a little confusing. What's the confusing part about it? I think I, I'll give you a little yeah, hint. I think, hint I think, is, oh, I think go, the confusing
1: part is wh- what what part of the equation is God's initiative? Yep. Versus what mm-hmm. is our response? Right. Right. right?
2: Yeah, that's perfect. I, that's what I was going to get to. Is I, I just think that like when we we talk so much. Uh, We hope to make clear that salvation, there's such little part of our part on it. We don't really do much at all other than placing our faith in Jesus Christ because salvation comes by faith, right, by grace, sorry, through faith in Christ, right? That's the, the great mantra is that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And so we place our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. We offer nothing. Osterbig says we all stand on level ground in front of the cross. Meaning mm. no one comes to the cross needing Jesus and can offer him something more than the next person yeah. standing next to him. We're we all, all need level, him we, the we same, all yeah. need him the same and we mm. all bring nothing really other than our faith and hope that he can save.
1: And can we can we just also just I mean this this may just be overkill but can we also just clarify like what do we mean biblically by salvation, right? We mean, um, our sins are absolved. Mm -hmm. We're adopted into the family of God. Mm -hmm. We're baptized by the spirit. We are, uh, we have eternal life, both, uh, quantitatively in that we, we will live forever in heaven with God, Mm -hmm. but also qualitatively. We're going to, we're going to live a different kind of life, right? It's, um, we're justified, we're just as righteous as, as Christ is before God because we're standing mm-hmm. covered by the blood of, of Christ. We're, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, so we, we, we will never face a con, a condemning judgment, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the age. Uh, you know what I mean? Wow, like,
2: that's, what we you, that's mean. great. Is that pretty yeah, good? Yeah, that's excellent. I think I, I wouldn't add, I mean, the things I would add to it would be, or piggyback would be, we also, we find our, we have clarity on our purpose here on this side yes, of eternity. yes. We um, have a confidence not only that um, we, oh we don't, we don't live with fear. I guess you said that that there's yeah. no condemnation, there's no future condemnation. So I don't we don't live with that that we don't live with that idea that there's a pending cloud on our head that God's going to yeah. unleash His wrath on us one day. Nope, all that's gone. So there's a sense of hope, and then just the idea that 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 the sting of death is gone. Mm. Um, I know you mentioned the idea that we you know we'll live forever, but really that is that is massive. We grieve differently.
1: Yeah. than all other have people
2: hope. because we yeah. have hope. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. and, and so we, we get all of that as a free gift of grace from yep. God. When we put our faith in Jesus, we get all of that. We don't have to earn any of that. Right. Okay. Right. So I just think that's important to clarify.
0: Yeah. And I think some of the ways that it can get confusing for people is when they hear that and then they say to themselves, um, well, I feel like I have done that and I don't feel what you just said. You know, that's where I I mean, that's done that.
1: I've put my faith in Christ. Yeah. And I don't,
0: I don't have no fear in my life. I don't have constant, you know what I mean? And so that's where I feel like the the trouble comes into it. And like Jason just mentioned on on the pod or on his interview with us, like, I think a lot of those times is people can put their trust in Jesus, be enabled by the Holy Spirit once and for all time to, to experience those things. But then as time goes on, people can lose sight. They can turn to worldly things, you know. They can they can start fixing their eyes upon things that aren't Jesus, and then all of a sudden they're losing hope, right? What well, Jason, when Jason mentions seeing the beauty and responding to the beauty of our salvation with discipleship, I think the same kind of thing with all of, on all those blessings we talk about—emotion wise, hope wise, perspective wise. We know that the enemy is working super hard, right? And we know that he can never take away our salvation, but he can absolutely distort and, and skew our perspective now as we're living. Cause through us the, to be unfruitful. Yeah, cause us to be unfruitful or, yeah. or, or, or 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 keep us stuck in sin because we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus and those kinds of things. So I think that's for, for, for my experience with people that I deal with frequently, that's what comes up all the time is like, Man, I feel like I'm saved, but I'm not feeling X Y or Z, you know. Mm. And I think that's super pertinent to this conversation because discipleship, which Jason, you probably have great thoughts about this, mm-hmm. I think is one of the prime time arenas to hash that stuff out and really uh, fix those perspectives.
1: Right, so so that's that's the second part of the equation, right? It's like God's initiative to 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 save us and all those things we just talked about wrapped up in that. But now that we're saved, <laughs> It's it's our initiative, right? To to partner with him and to participate with the Spirit of God in us and to to really follow after Jesus. Like I love that analogy that Wong gave us of of or not, I guess not an analogy, but it's like what a disciple means. It's like I'm I'm hanging on to the to the to the tassels, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm like Falling Jesus. I'm I'm getting I'm getting Jesus' dust in You're my dusty. teeth. Yeah, you know what I mean? So so talk about that second part, Jason. Like talk about that that our initiative our response after that that moment yeah. of salvation
2: well you guys hit hit the nail on the head with that because that's the muddy part we don't do anything to receive salvation other than place our hope and faith in Jesus Christ but uh but then we have an active role in discipleship yeah and and then yet some people feel like oh i don't feel all those things that the, the, the benefits and the and the as a beneficiary of being ad- adopted in the family of god and so I think second. Let me read Second Peter. This is a great Second Peter. If you're at home, if you have got a Bible, Second Peter chapter three or chapter one says in, in verse three, His divine power has given us, His being God, us being the, those that claim to be followers of Jesus that put their that put their hope in Jesus alone. He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. That knowledge is same word as intimacy, our intimacy with Him. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. So first of all, that's the other thing we tell people, you've given you been given everything you need to, to function on this side of eternity, but it doesn't mean that you are great at accessing it. You have all, you have access to all the hope, all the joy, all the peace, all the tools that God has given you by being an adopted son or daughter of his, but we need to learn to access those. And that's what the person that maybe Sean, that Sean was talking about is feeling is like, I don't really feel some of these things. Well, they have, they need to train to access those things. That's so Even, good. You don't, you don't get more of God's love or more of God's peace. Now, now let me keep reading verse four. Through these, he has given us His very great and precious promises. So there's some promises that we can kind of walk in and claim and experience on this side of eternity and the other side of eternity. And these precious promises he's given us so that through them, these promises, you may, and this is a word you use, Dan, participate. Also the same word as cooperate. Mm. In the divine nature, you can participate, which is so great. And escape the corruption in the world that causes evil desires caused by evil desires, so for this reason for this very reason, what's the reason for the reason that God gave us the capacity to cooperate and participate because mm. he gave us that capacity it says make every effort
1: mm.
2: now this is the discipleship part make every effort to add or grow in your in your faith all these different things and adds these like goodness and knowledge and Different ways that we can grow, so that that's that part of like make every effort. Of course, we're to make every effort, not to gain salvation, but because we already have it, and He's given us the capacity and the ability to cooperate and participate. Mm -hmm. Philippians, uh, or yeah, Philippians one six says that, uh, you know, Paul's writing. He says, "I'm confident that He who started a good work in you will bring it to completion." Right? Yeah. So he's gonna he's gonna bring you to full sanctification, but man, he also told you you can participate and cooperate. So that can, in some ways, not really fast forward the process, but in, but enhance the process. And we're yeah. to cooperate and participate. And then later down in verse eight, back in Second Peter, it says, "If you possess these qualities, if you're growing in these increasing measures, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your intimacy or your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ." And that's what that's what the person that Sean was mentioning. They're like, sometimes I just feel like I'm in a fog. And they're saying, hey, cooperate and participate, you've been given that right, and they're gonna mm. keep you feeling alive with Jesus, right? That's so cool. Productive. But then in this stark warning that's terrifying, I'll, I'll leave the last verse, verse nine. But if any anyone does not have them, meaning if any Christian is not growing in this in this way, well, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Mm. It's not it didn't say that you're not a Christian, you just forgot. And it doesn't mean you're like, I forgot Jesus or I forgot I put my hope in Jesus. It means you you're not you forgot all the implications of the cross. And that phrase you become nearsighted and blind is the same idea of a fog setting in. So that's Sean's point that there's Christians that feel, I don't know, I can't get my finger on it. I just feel like there's a fog in life. I don't really mm-hmm. feel like I'm growing. Well, he told us right here: if you're not, if you're not participating, cooperating with discipleship, Well, fog will set in and you'll forget about the implications of the cross.
1: And and if you keep going too, not, not to steal the thunder or anything, right. Mm -hmm. Verse 10 and 11, you know, just talk about, that was one of the first things that Jason Wong challenged us on Sunday was, Hey, um, it's good to, to just examine your, yourself and just to, um, to make sure that you are in the faith, right. And man, I think sometimes when we hear that it can be um, if it's if we're not doing that in the context of, of fellowship, we can get into some dark places, right? Yeah, totally because I've talked to a lot of people who who really are they they struggle with the, the receiving the free gift of God of salvation mm-hmm. and there's just a lot of doubt that is present and most of the time when I talk to those people, it, they're not in community. They're not mm-hmm. they're not in, in a, a VBC group. They're not regularly participating in the life of the church.
2: Being discipled. Being yeah, discipled. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. So um So it makes sense. Yeah. So it's it's good to to do that, but we have to we have to make sure that we, we're not going at it alone, because I think the enemy can really use that to cast a lot of doubt and people can spiral, right? But in verse 10, second passage back to back to Second Peter, it says be more diligent to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, it's not that we're earning our, um, our, our salvation, but we're, we're confirming it by yeah. the way that we live. Right. And, um, I love how it ends too. Like there's this, there's this promise. Like if you, if you follow these, this pattern of, of effort and, you know, um, taking advantage of what god has provided for you participating with with the spirit then you will be provided a, a rich entrance into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ and it, it makes me think of in 1st corinthians chapter 3 which we talked about before on the podcast you know paul's talking about hey the foundation is christ that's been laid we can't change that but each of us are building upon that foundation and some of us are investing our life in a way that is, we're using precious materials to build. You guys remember Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you know, it's these precious stones and metals that, that even as the fire comes through, they're going to, they're going to remain. They're going to, they're going to last forever, essentially. And he says, other of us are building using wood and hay and straw, perishable things that are going to, to pass away. And um, I think so many of us are, are so invested in um, our careers, our education, um, just success, status, money, uh, making sure our kids are, are, you know, competing at the highest level and on the right track to whatever, mm-hmm. um, those things aren't going to last forever. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? What, what, what are the things that are going to last forever? It's, it's how we love people. It's relationally how we encourage people. It's how we advance God's kingdom here on earth through discipleship and, um, you know, Paul says in that, in that first Corinthians three passage, he says, those people that are investing, investing their lives with into imperishable things, they're building with the the, the materials that will burn away. He says, they'll, they'll escape the flames of hell, but just barely, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So how different is that from second Peter where we'll have this rich welcome into God's kingdom? Good job. Right. You, you there's other people that are here because you discipled them, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, congratulations, welcome into my kingdom versus showing up and I made it, I'm in, Yeah, but I didn't bring anybody along with me. Right. You get what I'm saying? Totally.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You And the fact that you even think about Jesus came to give us life and to give life to the fullest measure. I think about that. That's a, that's a, that's two sides of a coin. He came to give us life, capital life, that's salvation. But then lowercase L is to live that life to the fullest measure, you know, mm-hmm. abundantly. Yeah. And so that tells me that that so a follower of Jesus can actually receive—that and other passages tells me that, and the ones you just mentioned, um, that a follower of Jesus can receive capital L, salvation, life, but then live not to a full measure. Yeah. And I, who wants to do that? You know, that's that's not what we want.
0: Yeah. waste. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this reminds me of— um, you know, in that, in that book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, it's a bunch of ideas. But one of them that I really love and think about a lot is he says this phrase that if you want to have the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he uses that to imply a lot of different things. Um, a lot of them are the same kinds of things that we're talking about. A, a sense of richness, a sense of fulfillment in your ministry, a sense of alignment and and being in tune with God, you know. And he talks about, it's like, man, we, we tend to read the gospels as like stories and that's it, you know, when in reality we should read them to a greater degree, even than we would read like a biography about Abraham Lincoln or whoever, you know, we read their lifestyle so that we can adopt that lifestyle to then emulate their lives, you know, mm-hmm. and discipleship is one of those things that Jesus did it. He, he did this frequently. It was with people pouring into them and, um, you know, he goes on in the book to talk about just the idea of Discipline being something that enables us to do what we can't do right now, you know. And I just love the idea of of spiritual disciplines being something that enable us to do with that, that initiative that you said in salvation. We, that's we're enabled, boom, forever. However, through discipline, we can then be enabled to do more than we could do before. And he uses the example of like weightlifting or whatever. It's like I can't bench three hundred pounds right now, you know, but I could with discipline. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I can't yet. (laughs) Ask me next week. But with discipline, I could, you could, you could, we all could with enough discipline, right? And it's the same thing with spiritual disciplines, discipleship being one of them, is if you engage in this and you do it, then you are enabled then to... Maybe it's have impact in your community for the kingdom of God. Maybe it's have a sense of peace and hope and steadfastness that you didn't have before, you know? Maybe it's wisdom and discernment that you didn't have in certain life situations that you now can through following the discipline of discipleship. I like that phrase, discipline, discipleship. Mm -hmm. It's It's a good ship, discipleship. But I'll read this quote because I think it speaks to this, is like sometimes it feels so, some spiritual disciplines can feel very unapproachable or very, if you're not used to, doing spiritual things like, ooh, you know, mm-hmm. but the idea of being in a relationship with someone and pouring into each other should feel very ordinary, right? So I love this paragraph that says, but through practices, ordinary, easy, and in my opinion, life-giving practices grounded in the life of Jesus, we gain access to a life power far beyond our own. Mm. And that's the reality here is through cool. through ordinary, and it should be easy, not always, but but, but it should be overall life giving being in a discipleship relationship, you know, and we're modeling ourselves after Jesus. Man, we gain access to a, a richness and a power in life that we just don't have if we're not doing that, right? Yeah. That's so That's good.
1: good. Well, um, you know, may, maybe just to kind of shift gears a little bit, yeah. uh, Jason, I know that you said there's was, there was a handful of questions that came in uh, kind of in the in the wake of, of Sunday's message. Yep. And maybe we could just kind of spend some time, kind of go lightning round rapid fire shoot through them yeah shoot sure, through them and sure. just cuz ho- hopefully some of those people are listening and and usually, when one person asks a question, it's a rep- it's a representation of a percentage, a yeah. percentage of people yeah. that are having the same question. So,
2: let me read those questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before I do, I'm going to read this one quote that I think summarizes everything we were talking about, and you guys can cut it out if it's not helpful <laughs> of the <laughs> we thing. Won't do that. But no, no, I'm really, I just don't know if we have maybe we've gone too long on this point. But it's just so important. Salvation, such a big deal. Yeah. this is from the series that we're doing right now on Thursday nights. I hope you guys want to. Well, the finale is this week, so too late. No, they can uh, still come. But, uh, come tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you, um, yeah, it's called purpose and it's really covering the same five things that Sean mentioned that the household of God is covering. Same exact five. So in this curriculum, he says about the very topics we've just been talking about, there's God's part and there's your part. Christ likeness is the result of making Christ like choices and depending on his spirit to help you fulfill those choices. Once you decide to get serious about becoming like Christ, you must begin to act in new ways. This is what Sean was talking about. You will need to let go of some old routines, develop some new habits, and and initially or intentionally change the way you think. Mm. You can be certain that the Holy Spirit will help you with these changes. In fact, the Bible says, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose, his good purposes. This, this verse shows the two parts of spiritual growth. Here it is. So listen up viewer or listener, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: work out and work in the work out is your responsibility. And the work in is God's role. Spiritual growth is a collaborative effort between you and the Holy Spirit. God's spirit works with, with us not just in us. This verse written to believers, and it is written to believers, is not about how to be saved, but it's how to grow. It does not say work for your salvation because it said you already have it. You can't add anything to what Jesus already did. That's to the points we've been making. During a physical workout, you exercise to develop your body, not get a body. So when you work out a puzzle, for instance, you already have all the pieces. Your task is to put them together. Farmers work the land, not get the land, but to develop what they already have. God has given you a new life. Now you're responsible to develop that new life like a farmer. And you do it with fear and trembling. That means take it seriously. That means take your spiritual growth seriously. Take the fact that you're saved seriously. Mm. When people are casual about their spiritual growth, it shows they don't understand the massive eternal implications. There you oh. go. That, I think that's helpful to summarize all that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, it's good, dude. Work, working out, working <clears throat> in. Working out, well, yeah.
2: working in. Two parts. Okay, here we go. Here's some questions that came from my message at the Altamont campus and the Crossing campus about discipleship. About participating in discipling others and mentoring others. Yeah. So one question was, why such an emphasis, Jason, on a difference between mentoring and discipleship? Um, you also mentioned another person said this concept of formal discipleship. Why using the word formal discipleship? And then we had a question from a small group. So why don't we take the first two?
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Fire. That sounds great. I'd yeah. love to hear from
2: you. I mean, I've talked just now for a little bit. Yeah. Did you guys catch the difference between mentorship and discipleship?
1: Yeah, for sure. And and we and talked I can about. Say, this. I can
2: say why why the difference. Yeah, for here. sure.
1: And 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 I I've got a lot of hours banked in just listening to you talk about this. And I find it particularly very helpful, the, the distinction. And one of the things I've heard you say a lot, Jason, is a lot of times what people want is mentorship, mm-hmm. but what they really need is discipleship. And mm-hmm. I think that that gives us a, a nice little grid for for understanding where people are at and what the difference is. So for those, those that are still kind of wanting the clarity, so mentorship tends to be something that happens, you know, we say on, on the go or on the road. And this is the idea of, man, Jesus had these people that were following him around everywhere and kind of doing what he is doing. And um, the part of that interaction that we call mentorship is, hey, just come along with me and and do what I do and and I'll show you as we do it. You know, and one of the ways this really helps me is, is, you know, some people um, come to me and want to learn how to be a worship leader. You know, or or they want to learn how to um, to be a husband or or a father, right. um, and I've got some experience with with those areas. And so so it's not necessarily um, us kind of sitting down in uh, and going through Scripture and the, what are Jesus's teachings and what are the tenets of the faith and and how do we live these out. Mm-hmm. It's it's more based on you know a, a, it's more like a coach, you know. Yeah. Um, so someone may may need help with mentoring with their finances or they, they may need help. Hey, I've just got promoted to, um, you know, a manager role in my, in my office and I I don't know what I'm doing. Like, can you show me the way, how do I do it in a godly way? Um, so to me, that's mentorship. And, and, and I think it can be a little bit more, um, loosely structured, more ad hoc kind of as you, as you go, Hey, Call me if you ever get stuck in a situation, and I'll help you. Yeah. Um, or hey, anytime I'm doing X, Y, and Z, I'll invite you, and you can come watch what I right. do. You know. So, so, and I think a lot of times that's what people, th- that's what they think they want mm-hmm. when you talk to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> when they say discipleship. That's really what they, what they, what they want. Right. Right. Um. But, but you've said, and and Sean, I know you can speak to this too. Sometimes th- what people actually need is is discipleship. They actually need to understand what what does the Bible say about you know, life and godliness and and walking with Christ. Unpack that a little bit, Sean.
0: Yeah, well, in some ways it makes a lot of sense. And in, and actually in some ways, I think that that interaction where someone approaches you, Jason, Morgan, whoever, and says, mentor me, that should be like an encouraging and flattering thing. Because hopefully what that means is you're living your life in a way where someone is looking at your life and saying, I want to be like you Mm -hmm. show me how to be like that. And normally that's what a mentor does. Normally a mentor is someone that you look up to who advises you. They have some kind of, like you said, expertise in whatever field or area, you know, but that's usually the point is I want to be more like you mentor me, you Mm know? Right. And there's ways like you, you get the example of music that that can still be valuable for us. But most of the time our MO is, Hey, that same exact process. I love it. We want to do that. We're just going to shift the needle to be me To Jesus, right? Yeah. And if we're following Jesus as as a mentor, yeah, yeah, if we're following Jesus as a mentor and he's mentoring us, but now we're just describing discipleship, right? (laughs) We're we're being disciples. And so part of it's just verbiage, but I think the focus of that actually really is important to, to communicate with that person and say, hey, I'm flattered and I'm stoked that you want to grow and stretch and mature and all those kinds of things. It's important that we identify that, that mm-hmm. the reason I am who I am and how I am is because I've been faithful to follow this process of trying to be more like Jesus in my own life. And I'd love to help you do that as well. But we just got to make sure we define the terms here, that, that you're, I guess, being mentored, but really you're being discipled as you follow your mentor, Jesus, right?
1: Yeah, because somebody somebody who's coming to you Um, they, maybe they are, they do have a one-on-one, one one to three, you know, whatever small group thing, like where they're getting true discipleship as we've defined, where we're sitting down together at the table, we're studying God's word, we're we're letting the spirit of God transform us into the image of Christ. We're going from one degree of glory to the next. Maybe they're, they already have that kind of a thing and they don't need me to do that, but they need me to help them you know, be a more godly husband, or they need me to, to help them, you know, manage people or become a better worship right. leader or whatever. You know are what Or saying?
2: flush out some of the stuff they're learning sure. about the Bible as it applies
1: in life. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think both can be valuable. Um, but, but I, I found a lot of times when I start a mentorship relationship with somebody, you're like, Whoa, it almost always kind of, Needs to end up going into discipleship, right? Right. You know what I'm saying.
2: Which, which is, you know, those of that didn't listen or didn't hear our our presentations on these. We did say in real life it, they're so close that it's hard to yeah, separate. A lot of overlap. Here. There's yeah. such so much overlap. I think good. I think what Jesus is really doing is a is a combination of discipleship, mentorship, and counseling. Um, but it's nice to have some definitions, and just to clarify even more. Because um, even
1: and, in a particular relationship, one thing might be needed in a given time. Exactly, you know, in a season or whatever. Exactly,
2: right? yeah. Oh. And I think I think you know you, you guys both were really clear about it, and I just want to keep going on off of it that I, what seems to happen, and this is this is in this time period in this culture that we're living in, you know, over the course of twenty plus years watching young adults. Um, engage in this. And I, and I, and it's not just a demographic for you. It's not just a young adult demographic that's put us in contact with boomers and, and millennials and the new mm-hmm. Z generation. And so all different ages, what I, what we watch is people, the mentorship experience leans a little bit more towards relationship. You're getting to know each other. You're spending time with each other. The person wants some spiritual encouragement. They want to talk like, how was your week? What's mm-hmm. going on in your life? tell me about you and your girlfriend you know how do i get a girlfriend you know how do i do it with honor and respect yeah, know, and, yeah. and in the process of doing all that i think access is a great word to think about connected to mentorship i want young people or someone i want and i want myself doesn't matter young people to have access to a handful of people they consider mentors In their life. And why I say five to 10. Why five to 10 is because what we'd like is to be able to get a phone, to be able to call one of these people and get them on the phone immediately. A call or text or say, Can we have coffee or can we connect? There's something I want to run by you. There's some counsel I need. I have a question about some scripture. Um, You know. I have a situation at work, all these different things, right? Yeah. And I want the person to answer the phone immediately or I want them to say, yes, I'll meet you tomorrow or today for coffee. But the reason we pick these five to ten people is they're awesome, amazing people that are living their lives full. They have kids. They have work. They're serving in places. And so they aren't at my beck and call, right? <laughs> right. So if, they, if I had someone at my beck and call, I just need one person,
1: right.
2: uh, one, one great person. But re- the reality is we benefit from being having a multitude of counsel. And um, that's Proverbs, and then really, if I can't get one of them on the phone or one of them to meet with you coffee, I'm going to get one of the ten people I have access to, right? And that has ongoing relationships, and really, we say mentorship is is more caught than taught. There's a lot of just catching. I'm at Home Depot buying some wood for a project. A, someone calls me and says, "You got you got." 10 minutes to run by something. I said, well, I'm at home Depot right now. Come watch She's come down walk with me through home Depot. We can talk about it right there. Yeah. Um, and they come hang out and they end up coming over for dinner that day too. So that is mentorship. Um, and you're right, Dan. I think most people prefer that. That's what they want. They like the relational side. And frankly, that's what I love given it's, it's easier. <laughs> it's yeah. e- I love talking about like, hey, how was your week? Let me pray for you. Mm-hmm. Let's look at a scripture. And in the context, you're right, Sean, in the context of real life, when you're really walking with God, you can't help but pointing them to spiritual matters, bringing up a scripture, explaining it, walking it. So in the context of good mentorship, you get a lot of discipleship stuff checked off, right?
1: Yeah. And so maybe maybe that's a good segue to like what's formal discipleship, right? right. Because Because discipleship that happens kind of, um, as a result of a mentorship relationship, m- maybe is that the difference between like, Hey, formal discipleship, let's sit down and go through a study. Let's, you know, let's walk through the foundations of, of Christianity. Yeah. Makes Cause, sense. Yep. Cause I think, I think a lot of people have been in the church for a long time. I've never had that. They've never really gone through the foundations of,
2: right a what checklist it, of of stuff that that really would equip them.
1: Yeah, what does it mean like I follow Jesus but I don't even know what what are the basics of what he teaches? Like right. that, that's kind of tough, right? Yeah. As opposed to someone who who has that that knowledge base and now they they need to just kind of like springboard on that as, as needs. Cause you never stop being discipled. right? right? You never life, stop, life, right. Yeah. But, but is that what you mean by formal discipleship is like, Hey, let's sit down and go through the tenets of the faith.
2: It is, it is. And it's embarrassing, frankly, that I've, that I, that's a word. I don't, I don't know that I've heard that somewhere else. I started saying it this past couple of years, formal discipleship. And I don't even like that. I say it, but it's, it's, it's a way of explaining how far I think we've come from the goals of discipleship, and we've leaned yeah. too much into let's just spend time together and encourage one another. Yeah, and that's wonderful to do. That's called koinonia and that's mentorship, but but we need to be equipped big time. And in fact, why, why I rant about this, maybe if one of you could look up the Great Commission, um, in Matthew, yeah. Matthew 28, because I think we should read that real quick, but um. Yeah, well, I'll just tell a story real quick. A lot of this I came to this phrase formal discipleship which I would like to let go of as fast as possible. <laughs> um because there is no such thing, it's just discipleship. But yeah. um I came to that because in the in the context of young adult ministry and being a pastor to also families and and married people, uh, you know, just I care a lot for, you know, newly married. I just started watching a generation not know their bibles they don't know the the basic what you've mentioned several times here the basic tenets of the faith the the fundamentals and the foundations of jesus's doctrine the apostles creed their participation with sanctification the difference between that and justification so some you know and we can go on on there's some fundamentals that a believer has to be equipped with and i i started seeing a lot of people never even grew up in church, and so they weren't obviously formally discipled in that way. But then I started seeing people who did grow up in church, and I'd ask, and they'd say, "Oh yeah, yeah." I, I love asking, "Were you ever discipled or mentored?" You know, so people move here from all over the country; they come to our young adult ministry. They, they were a part of other churches. I asked, "Were you discipled?" You guys, Dragon? Yeah. And then they'll say, "Oh, I, you know, no or yes." But when they said <laughs> yes, I loved hearing. Tell me about that. What did that look like? So someone discipled you? Yeah, they did. And then what I found from Sally and Mike and Steve and whatever is that they would say, well, nine times of ten, they would explain, Well, I had a in middle school and high school, there was these, you know, two people that kind of, you know, they were leaders in my life, and they they were they would encourage me and they would if I had any questions about the Bible, they could ask me some, answer some questions about the Bible and they would text me verses every now and then and sometimes I'd go over their house and eat and pray. And um, you know, if I if I ever got in a fight with my boyfriend or we were stressing out, they had a lot of good advice. I could always talk to them. They were there for me in my corner. Yeah. Well, what they were, in my opinion, describing is mentorship.
1: Mentorship with with like a little Dash of discipleship. Yeah. Right. B- because because you give into the word exactly. and, you're, and you're encouraging people, right?
2: Right. And and yeah. good mentorship does that. Right. And and that's what they were describing. But this same person who felt really supported through middle school and high school and in college, that same person, that Sally, that Mike, that Fred that I'm talking to, does not know their Bible and isn't equipped for spiritual warfare. And for passing on the the, the to the next generations, mm. w- what are the core tenets of the faith? So in my opinion, that person wasn't discipled, which discipleship has to do with how do we become more like Jesus Christ, specifically, strategically, taking part in that relationship. How do I enjoy God more? How do I um, know and apply His Word, and how do I become more like Jesus? And I think that's where why you said it's at the table. It doesn't have to be at the table. I know, but that's a phrase that I use a, a lot. It's a
1: picture, kind of. Yes, yeah, yeah. so
2: it gives you a picture to say mentorship's on the go. It's doing life discipleship. Real formal disciples has to sit down. We got to open the Bible together. We got to go through some some curriculum. It's work. It's, it's more structure. M- it's structure. It's memorizing mm-hmm. stuff. It's being quizzed on certain you things. You got to
1: meet together regularly. It's regular. Yeah,
2: yeah. You're nailing it, and it's honestly sometimes not fun. It's so, mentorship's way more fun. <laughs> it's like going to the gym. The yeah. form of discipleship is going to the gym, and a lot of it's beautiful, but it's the hard work that's necessary that you bear great fruit later. Yeah. And and just really quickly, I I find a lot of people say, yeah, I want to be discipled, but then when I meet with them they don 't want to do the work
1: mm. and
2: then I quickly i 'm going to lose them. I learned, or I just shift over to more mentorship how 's your week going and tell me about your your girlfriend and let 's talk about they this. Come around <laughs> yeah and what i 'll just tell you a quick story like it 's a fast one. I met with a guy for a year, and i he said he wanted to be a disciple. We started then I quickly picked up no he doesn 't he wants he wants. He can't wait to get done with the, some of the, like, the assignments I'm giving him so we can just talk about his week and pray yeah. together and be encouraged. And I, he can ask me some advice about some stuff. So I shifted to that because that's what he needed. That's a, I think a good shepherd will shift, right? And at, by, about a year after meeting with him, he said to me you – know, it kind of discouraged. He said, man, I I just given him some counsel with something. And he was – actually, he was reporting back that he had applied some counsel. Oh, cool. And he's like, man, you keep giving me stuff and it works. Like you, I go and do it and it – bears a lot of fruit and i'm so discouraged I, and i'm like why are you discouraged it's wonderful and he said because i feel like i'll never be like the, I, the well i have to be a grown man always coming to you i can't figure out how to like apply it myself and i, I where to go in the bible to y- yeah I,
1: if, 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 exactly exactly yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: and any um you know and he said and he said i just don't know how, how he was like kind of you know you're awesome. You're amazing. How do you know all this stuff? And I said, you are putting me way too high on a pedestal. I don't. I'm what you're. What you're seeing in me is I have been formally discipled. So when you ask me a question, I can go to the Bible. I know where it is, or I can know if I don't know where it is. I can figure out. I know I have the tools to figure out. I've been given the tools. Then I can walk you through it and then give you some suggestions. And frankly, you're piggybacking. Off of my discipleship. discipleship. <laughs> and it's kind of what we talked about in the beginning. I wanted, I think you need, if you, re, you need to be equipped yourself. And then he was, you know, much more open to it after that. But that's a kind of a picture of, you know, maybe discipleship versus yeah. men and why I'm using the word formal discipleship, which there, it's for life, but there is, there is some equipping that needs to take place. So I have some more thoughts on that, but any comments <laughs> from you guys? Yeah. I could rant all day
0: about it. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I mean, I feel like maybe like, intentional discipleship, yeah, that's discipleship training, maybe is a structure structure. I, you
1: know? I, th- I
0: like the training idea because I like what you said. You said something in there about, you know, are they prepared for spiritual battle? Mm-hmm. Are they prepared? Are they equipped? And that's the way I like to think about it is because I think the, one of the temptations can be to think about what you're describing is like, Oh, it's like class then, you know, it's just, there's just academic, it's learning, yeah. you know, which that's not what it is. It makes me think of Ephesians six and the armor of God. It's like, is this person equipped? to put on the armor of God in their lives. And there's these varieties of things that they're describing. If we read through that together with them and go through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, whatever it is, do they understand that? Do they know what that means in their life? And if they don't, then yeah, we need to do some uh, formal discipleship, disciplinary training, whatever you want to call it, to equip them to be able to handle these things on their own. And then once they are equipped for battle, like you're saying, then maybe we can do shift a little bit like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's reckless as... A leaders and shepherds, but also just as friends, as brothers and sisters in Christ, or maybe not the most caring thing, I should say, to avoid that s- part of their life. You know, yeah. It's okay. like if you took me out to whatever, go like airsofting or something I've never done in my life, and you're like, alright, hey, have fun, you know. <laughs> and that's not the best way to go about it, to yeah. help help me succeed in that in that endeavor. And for us, we're <laughs> talking about being like analogy. Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, yeah, have yeah. fun, go do it, yeah. you know. And, and checking with me after, oh, how'd it go for you? It sucked. You got, you, got, yeah. you, got, you got welts all over yeah, yourself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyways, but yeah. yeah, I love I love the idea of it being training for a purpose other than just yeah. Do you know the tense? But man, what is this going to do in your life? And do yeah. you have the tools you need to to fight spiritual battle well and care for X, Y, and Z right now? Did world? we
1: just well, did we just figure out a way to get rid of formal discipleship? Discipleship training, which we'll is called discipleship training.
2: Sure. I just think that. Oh, that'd No, no, I am excited. Time. I just want to get back to this is what I'm, deci- all we need to say is discipleship. That's what it is. But we've gotten so far from it. And in fact, why don't if someone would want to read it. Yeah. Read the Great Commission because <laughs> let's let's ground this in scripture, not Jason Mogue's, you know, thoughts or opinions on
0: it. I want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Just for context, you know, this is the last thing Jesus tells his friends before he pieces out. And for more context, these are 11 disciples that went up to Galilee and, and went to hear him. This is consisting of fishermen, you know, and a thief and a tax collector. a variety of people with tons of different backgrounds that are not, you know, spiritual Pharisees right now. They're just, they're just people listening to their Savior talk. This is what he says. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm.
2: So, so man, you know, that's called the Great Commission. Uh, if you don't know, as a listener, uh, Jesus' is massive, uh, you know, commissioning to not just those disciples, but all that will—us, uh, everybody who will call themselves disciples— <clears throat> and it's, and he says, you know, all authority has now been given back to me. So that word for authority is jurisdiction. So I have full, there's no higher jurisdiction in the cosmos hmm. than me. And I have something I want to tell you. And the first thing he says is go make disciples. And there's a book called The Great Omission, which is a playoff of the Great Commission. And to to omit something is to take it out, Right. So The Great Omission, it's by Dallas, Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard, yeah. And he says, he basically says We've that— We've made
1: converts. Right. Right. You know we, the church has gotten really good at making converts, yep. uh, which is basically, hey, sign on this dotted line, follow Jesus. Exactly. But, but we never teach those people what does it mean to actually do that.
2: Right. We omitted the word discipleship, and we put right. in, con, you know, go and make converts and then and then encourage them. Yeah, um, you know, like be like be in their spirits, be in their it. corner. You yeah, can keep yeah. going. And he said, we omitted the word discipleship, which is t- to be a disciple is to know the teachings of Jesus. And well, that's obey. what he says right after, that. he yeah. says,
1: as you go, as you go, making disciples, teach them everything that I've commanded to you. Mm-hmm. And, you right. know, and baptize them and. Which yeah. takes time. Yeah, it takes it time. Yeah.
2: And so I just think that that leads me to be, you know, I think I don't want to be a part of a, I don't want to contribute to a culture and a time period in history um, where we are not fulfilling the, the greatest, the Great Commission, right? Um, you know, one more thing on this former side, so we will one of you guys read Acts two forty two. 2, 42. This is, the, this is one more thought on that and then we'll maybe
0: give this small group thing in or we'll stop. Yeah, know. yeah. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers.
2: Yeah, so this is a picture of the, the early church first living out the the faith. And if you want to read the full context at a different time, listener, it's Acts 2, 42 through 47. But it says that the early believers were committed to four things. And we faithfully for generation after generation have been faithful to commit to those four things because it's been passed down from one generation to the next. And one of the things it says is in your your, um, translation, Sean, was it the apostles' teaching? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that, if you look, I would love for you guys to look up, you know, listener, at some point, Acts 2.42 in various translations. We've wrestled with how to translate this because sometimes it's translated the apostles' teaching, capital A, capital T, Sometimes it's capital A, lower T. Sometimes it's the Apostles' Creed. Sometimes it gets translated the Apostles' Doctrine. And it was this idea of the teaching that there was some core teaching about who Jesus is and what he wants us to learn, maybe even like a little checklist of stuff that they were like, let's all agree to. This is our foundation, right? And they were faithful to pass it on and disciple others, teaching them those core tenets of the faith, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just to geek out on you guys, every time in history that a creed or a catechism pops up or a confession, examples would be the Nicene Creed, the Westminster Confession, um, a new one being written today is the New City Catechisms. Any time that it, that would happen, which if you're not familiar with creeds and catechisms, they're a statement of faith that bring you back to the core foundations of what you believe or they're a question and answer thing where it helps you memorize the core foundations of your faith or whatever the belief is. So anytime that there's been a Christian creed or catechism almost every time throughout history, it was because the teaching from Acts, the the apostles' teaching was being challenged or someone was coming against it. And, or they were drifting away from it. And so yeah. they're like, man, this generation's really drifted away from it or it's being attacked. Let's write a catechism or a creed to help us all remember and stay faithful to the, what Jesus had the apostles teach us. And the Nicene Creed's an example. The, there was a guy named Marcion who was, who was teaching that Jesus wasn't fully God and fully man. And he was gaining a huge following. And so the early church is like, oh, man, what do we do? So they gather in Nicene, right? And they... Work to come together, which would become the famous Nicene Creed, mm-hmm. which comes back to no, no, no. That's not true. There's a not body true. of teaching.
1: There's a there's didache. Okay, right? Exactly,
2: exactly. Yes, there, there's, tell, there's. Tell them about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, th- we and we we do c- courses here at VBC um, through um, a higher education organization called Antioch School of Church Planning, and one of the courses they do is called the Essentials of Sound Doctrine, right. and and it's their way of basically capturing and teaching this this body of 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 teaching that called the didache, right that's the Greek word that's used in 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 242 acts 242 exactly. it's this idea of like the there's this there's this core of doctrine core of truth that Jesus taught the apostles and the apostles passed it on to us um as as the the body of Christ and you know that I think a lot of times, yeah, we, we, I grew up in the church and I never, I never had that taught to me in a systematic mm. structured way, Yeah, you know? And so, um, I think there's probably a lot of people in, in our church that ha- have that same experience.
2: Uh, exactly. And yeah. so, the, and that's my concern is that, uh, we've gotten currently in our culture today, we've gotten away from it. And that, that, which would they that at that time, which they would normally call just discipleship we've gotten so far away from it that, that what I'm calling now formal discipleship or we, what do we call it? that type of training or intentional yeah. discipleship, which I hope we can drop them all soon mm-hmm. is just saying, let's, let's make sure that when we're mentoring someone that, or you're being mentored and you've got access to 10 people or five, five to 10 people, men or women in your life, that one of them is at least taking you through the, these fundamentals of the faith, you know? And um, I think it's massively important. I think um, we're going to see more creeds and, catechisms arise. There's a great one called the New City Catechism being written now or it has been written. You should check it out. Parents, you can take your kids through it. I don't think creeds and catechisms and confessions are the answer and and they've been abused also in in throughout history, but it's just a response that is that of us trying to make sure everybody understands the fundamentals of the faith and we don't drift from the teachings of Jesus Christ. Christ alone, the word of God alone. So, um Man, and I think it's really important. I'll just go on one little more rant. <laughs> uh, this sounds dramatic, but th- th- we're always at spiritual warfare, right? There's always a war. But I think I'm convinced, and I, and I don't think it's too, too dramatic, and I think most listeners would agree with me. If you look at the current culture we're living in, at least in America, it, the war is intensifying. And mm. I think there's a, there's a war coming, I'm convinced, that is so intense that if people don't have this formal discipleship, we're going to see a lot of people exiting the faith or mm. um, the consequences and the persecution are going to get intense enough that there's going to be people who a real line in the sand is going to be drawn. And yeah. I want to equip people to be able to advance the gospel. We don't need to be afraid. I'm excited for this amazing time to live on the planet, but um, we need to be equipped. And yeah. so I, I hope that that stirs people to want mentors, but also want to have um, to be, to be
0: trained as disciples, and that's, yeah, that's so good. And I think it's a helpful way to think about that. Jason is, I think sometimes we just get into this mindset or assume that growing up in America and in the barriers a lot of churches around, we just assume that people know this stuff. You know that they've heard things, and it's shocking. I'm sure you guys have had the same experiences where it's shocking how sometimes there's someone who you would just assume because they've been in the church for a while or whatnot. And then something happens and it it should be so obvious to them if they understood these basics of the faith and it becomes clear, oh wow, they, they, they don't, you know? And so I think thinking of ourselves like we're missionaries in that context, we got to bring the full good news to people right here who grew up in Pleasanton or Livermore or wherever. And this reminds me of, this is where I'll end, but I just, I think about this charge for discipleship and making disciples and I love how you'll say things like, you know, we're all here because someone was faithful to that call at some point, mm-hmm. right? And I want to be a part of a generation that is faithful to that. It's not, not that's not faithful to that, you right, know? And right. Recently, Patty and I were in Hawaii. and I don't know about your guys' experiences being in Hawaii, but every time I'm there, I kind of f- feel in my spirit, like, there there's opportunity there, mm-hmm. right, for the gospel. that that's It's somewhat unchurched. And last time we were there, we we're, were reading up on some history stuff and listening to these things driving toward things. It's talking all about the history of, you know, the last 300 years in Hawaii.
1: Mm.
0: And the first missionaries went to Hawaii around eighteen twenties, like a little over 200 years ago. And there's so much momentum and so much movement happening and rulers, you know, denouncing pagan religions in Hawaii Mm. and adopting Christianity and all this kind of stuff. And at that time, it must've been a crazy exciting time to be someone trying to spread the good news in Hawaii, right? Well, now we're 200 years later and I was looking up some statistics and there's like 1.4 million people in Hawaii and about, it's hard to know for sure, but 20-ish percent of Hawaiians are Christians, identify as Christians. Wow. And, you know, America as a whole, it's more like 60% identify as Christians. Will we say they're saved or not. Well, that's a whole different discussion, but they would, they would consider themselves Christians, about 60%. Mm. Wow. And that's a huge difference, you know? And so I was thinking this last time, if, if those missionaries could talk to us right now and hear that, you know, would they be stoked and encouraged because hundreds of thousands of people that know Jesus now, yep. or would they be mortified that only 20% of the the islands have, have understood and heard the good news, you know? And so I've been thinking about that since then, just in that, that same context of, man, I don't want to be. I want to contribute and be faithful so that we are not mortified if, yeah. if 200 years from now. We've played our whatever. part. Yeah, we yeah. want to do our part to the kingdom of God the, the best that we can, you know. Exactly. And, of course, we're not here for numbers and all that good stuff. But I just wanted to, to, to with a clear conscience, say I was faithful to God's call of of making disciples in my life.
2: Yeah, yeah. Dan, I think Sean's saying that VVC should plant a church in...
0: In Hawaii. Hawaii. I'm in. Yeah, let's go. I'm in.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I know we got to wrap it up, but I'll piggyback on ge- – he's talking about generational things. And I'll just say this isn't a dig to – this is just reality. I mean, I guess you can check the fact with Barna Institute. Um, Gospel Coalition has a lot of facts on generational uh, Christian history. But um, the we're, you guys are, I think, the millennial generation, right? You came on the tail yeah. end of it or the start of it. Um I'm a I'm a X generation. For a while they called us an XY generation from my age because we were the um a bridge generation. We we could understand the boomers a bit and talk boomer language, but we could also connect a lot with the millennial generation. And so obviously the greatest generation ever lived was the X, Y generation. Just so you guys know <laughs> that those of you eighties and nineties stranger things, that was like my life. Okay. So, um, okay. Boomer. Yeah. But I'm just saying that because as an ex X generation personally, um, I was, I, I was witness to the boomer generation, you know, that came before me. And the reality is, um, the boomer generation was the least intentional, Stats show in in initiating discipleship with the younger generation. Mm. And I'm sorry, boom, if you're a boomer out there, I'm not taking a dig at you. I, l- I love you guys, but you were the least intentional. I have some we have there's theories why you came off of uh, the generation that, that discipled you before you was a military generation, so it was a very heavy, like um, a kind of uh, I don't know, like like drill, drill, drill. Your discipleship was like a drill sergeant, and yeah. and that kind of pushed you away a bit. Um, it was legalistic. You came off the, the Jesus movement, which was like dipped into the hippie movement. with, And so uh, so there's just – there was this push from formal discipleship. There's a push away from formal church and liturgies and things like that. So uh, probably some, good, some wonderful things we see that happened in the boomer generation as we advanced the gospel. But some downside was it was the least engaging. You were happy to disciple someone if someone came to you, but you weren't going to go out and do that. Now, I see in our church – there are a lot of boomers discipling people and mentoring people, but it is still is the, the weakest, in my opinion, mm. from observation. And they feel the most – if I talk to them, and I do, I spend a lot of time with, with asking, hey, walk me through this. What would help? They feel the least equipped to disciple. And I, I think that's understandable, but it's unacceptable, and we need to do something about it. And so the my X generation, XY generation is working – Hard, I think, to be on the front lines of like pulling back into discipleship and the millennial generation and this new Z generation. They're still willing to be discipled and wanting that and yeah. wanting to submit. So we need to maximize that, you know. Um, so we got to run. We got to run. We, the it's time, you know. The culture and the times demanding it.
1: So. And just get started. That's the biggest thing, right? Exactly. Just get started, Jason. You gave us a great uh, a great little grid to to go through, right? Um, you want to just say that really quick just what's the what's the one the simple little formula i mean we we don 't want it to be formulaic, but what's, the, what's yeah, the if you want to start today literally what can you do
2: getting started today it's simple we We gave one way to do it there's all lots of ways but there's one way it's called the the fi high five plan. And you can go to someone and say, hey, I'd love to—I think you could start mentoring today. You might feel like, I don't know how to formal disciple. Okay, you can learn how, but you can start today meeting with someone and you can say, one, two, three, four, five. One one goal is to help you become more like Jesus and to to enjoy God together. That'll be our goal during our time. Two people, you and me, three months. Let's meet for three months. Um, Four filters. I'm going to pray about four things. You can listen to the sermon and— you're about what What four things to pray for them about or pick four of your own. And then five arenas is the five arenas that we've been talking about in the household of God. Have them pick one of the arenas that they want to grow in, you know, uh, worship, evangelism. And then we can grab a book or a book of the Bible that walks you through that and you just get started. And a lot of the stuff gets ironed out. So it's cool. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing just as for encouragement, maybe we should end with encouragement too. Yes. The real quick, the sm- one of the small groups we heard, we don't know who you are out there, but one of the small group leaders said that um some of the they had great thoughts and great questions after this discipleship thing, but one one concern was is this household of God series just asking us, was it what was it, deeds to do more stuff or,
1: yeah, or just get, get, more, out get more out of us? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and just that just you know I get it, and and I'd like to answer that quickly. Like, are you trying to just get us to disciple and get us to worship? And it just feels like I got to do more stuff. And you know, I hope it doesn't feel that way. On one side of the coin, if you're not doing these five things in your life, you're not worshiping God and growing in that area. You're not being mentored or things like that. You're not um, involved in small groups and things. Yeah, I want we want you. Then I guess yes. We are asking you to do some more stuff, pick one of those things and get more involved because we we see the benefit of it. On the flip side, the the reason we're asking you to do and you guys put check me on this is because these five arenas of Christian living oh, is the greatest way to live. It lights you up. It's why we're on the planet. And we are have our beneficiaries of it, Daniel myself and Sean of experiencing these five arenas. And it's an amazing way to live. And we've tasted Jesus. We've beholded, we beheld Jesus, beheld it, did it by being a part of these five arenas. And we want, you know, when you taste something good, we want you guys to experience this too. So it's, it comes from a pastoral shepherding heart. That's not like we're trying to get more out of you. It's comes from a heart that says, we want you to experience the Christian life um, to the full measure and it's wonderful this way. It's and good. So I hope you guys hear that.
1: Yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah. Uh, this topic will never be a dead horse because we talk about this forever, and ever and ever. But for this episode, we should probably be done. Thanks for, if you're still with us. Congratulations. Bless you. Congratulations. We're, we're, we're thankful you, made it, you, you it. made it. Did it. Uh, man, that's our prayer. Hopefully this produces change and growth in our church family, not just to get you to do more like Jason said, but man, maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to take seriously the, the discipline of discipleship.
2: Yep, and and check the, the show notes. We'll put in some of those books.
1: That probably won't happen, but yeah. Oh, we're not going to do that? <laughs> we haven't been doing that in a while. Oh, come on. we got to get these resources. We should. We should. Okay. Wow. Sean. You, I just
2: added I added work to you. I'm sorry. Sure. Why Dallas not? Willard's The Great Omission. Uh, you mentioned The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John. What's his name?
0: Actually, I think Winning the War in Your Mind is a better one for this topic. Okay. Winning the I War in Your Mind. doesn't matter. Great. Yeah. guess Craig Rochelle on that one. Okay.
1: I got nothing. I don't read...
0: Well, there's a couple more we mentioned, but okay. Check out the Packers. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> please actually don't. Please don't. They're, they're terrible this year. Uh, we'll see you all on Sunday terrible. and then next weekend for Behold. Love you, bye. 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 Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash Behold. Catch you guys next week.